The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic, and can you forget the things I said when I was drunk? I, I don't know why I called you that. <sighs> you know what? It's no surprise to me that you are your... Well, my own worst <laughs> Who remembers Lit? Meet Henry, family man, average guy. Meet Edward, a highly trained operative. Henry, Edward. Henry, Edward. One man, two very different lives. And they don't even know it. Christian Slater. Christian Slater, my own worst enemy, Mondays on NBC. <laughs> okay, so that was a preview. For a TV series uh, created by the band Lit. <laughs> yes, they all got to get, who could forget Lit, huh? Who hasn't popped in <laughs> Lit's greatest hits every now and then? Uh, I love their song, Steal My Sunshine. Oh wait, that was Len. <laughs> Both one-hit wonders, but, well, maybe Lit had more than one hit, but Lit is known for my own worst enemy. Yeah, 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 okay, so but this is... here to talk about Lit. This is one of those shows, I love this, this like, weird little kind of subgenre of TV and film where it doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but a TV show or movie is, like, named after a song. You uh-huh. know, like, the song is popular, so we can use it in, like, all the trailers, or just saying it sort of evokes pleasant memories of you. Oh, yeah, remember Lit? So even though what we're actually dealing with is a super spy version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, we have to evoke our wonderful memories of Lit. (laughs) Uh, My Own Worst Enemy is a failed television series from 2008 starring Christian Slater as Henry Spivy, a uh, office drone with a wife and two kids. And uh, he doesn't realize that he's actually the alternate personality of a super spy, also played by Christian Slater, named Edward Albright. Henry and Edward. Get it? Henry. Jekyll. Edward Hyde. Wink. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. So basically the idea is, what if you you were, it's a, it's a double life story, you know, the old secret identity, uh, a spadoinkle, but this time... Uh, he doesn't know he's a superhero until yeah. in the pilot episode, the chip in his brain 
breaks and it's actually kind of a stupid premise the, the premise is it's really convoluted it's unnecessarily complicated and when you explain it it sounds even dumber yeah the premise of the show yeah Kristen slater is he works as i think he's an accountant he has some nondescript job yeah it's some nondescript and, business yeah and and he's he's married he has two kids uh, who are going to grow up to be big stars and uh during the pilot, yeah, it's revealed that he has this microchip implanted in his brain. Yeah. Which has been, not only fed him all these false memories of his childhood, but is the thing that's dictating his entire personality. Now, here's the and thing, yeah. When the chip, there's a shadowy cabal underneath his office building uh-huh. that can flip the switch inside the chip. And switch him back to his original identity, which is this super, like, super killer spy dude. Yeah. Who goes gallivanting around the country on assassination missions and stuff. Yeah. And the premise of the show is the chip breaks and he starts flipping back and forth randomly. Yeah, and he has no control over it. So all of a sudden... Both Edward and his Henry personality have to get used to each other's jobs. So the idea is that at any random moment, uh, uh, Edward could be in the middle of interrogating a uh, war criminal or something. And then all of a sudden he gets a slight headache and then... Uh, uh, Henry pops up and is like, hey, where am I? Oh my God, what is happening? And vice versa. And all of a sudden he's like, well, this isn't happening, but he's like changing diapers or something. And all of a sudden James Bond shows up and is like, oh my God, what is happening? This could be played for laughs. Oh yeah. But it's, this is a a straight drama. This is, this is a very, like they're trying to be a cool action show. I will say this. My own worst enemy largely works. Mostly because of Christian Slater. Uh, Christian Slater has lear- has been written off in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was a, a big rising star back in the 90s. He was this young... Mm. Late young 80s. Hot, late, well, I guess started yeah. in the late 80s. Uh, young hotness. He was on all of, like, the Teen Beat magazine mm-hmm. covers. And at some point along the way in his career, he just sort of seemed to lose all credibility. People wouldn't want to go see a Christian Slater vehicle. He was seen as maybe imitating Jack Nicholson too much, which he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was seen as having a little bit of a limited range, which I don't think he does. Uh, um, well, in the late '90s, he also had some like well-publicized legal troubles, which uh, yeah, that, really that, affected that how, the way people perceived him. And once you see the legal troubles, you're just like, well, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so his star so, so fell quite significantly, and then when he started going to television, this was actually a show, even though it wasn't a popular series. Obviously, it got canceled very quickly. Um, everyone kind of did go, hey, Christian Slater is not a bad actor. And indeed he ended up, uh, and he ended up on a similar themed show in some ways called Mr. Robot, mm. uh, which ended up uh, getting him some more, uh, critical acclaim. So I guess he's doing okay. So, so, but this was like, this was going to be his big re-break. Yeah. This like is going to be his key for Sutherland in 24 yeah, his, his big yeah. comeback show. And you know what? He's bringing it. He is not sleepwalking through this. Well, he's really trying. He's, that's for he's sure. really trying. I think he really nails Edward and Henry, the two characters, really well. Mm-hmm. And the, he can flip back and forth in a scene, and it's you can tell. Well, that's what's required of him. That's, yeah. that's If he couldn't do that, the whole show wouldn't work. Yeah, so Problem he, is, he's really Edward, and usually he's really calm and kind of annoyed, and then all of a sudden he's like really vulnerable and moral. And you do get to see this weird sort of moral dynamic, which I wish they'd brought up on the show, mm. that the spy agency came up with this alternate personality for him, who is actually a much more decent, more moral human being well, yeah. than the Edward character. Okay, real fast, I just want to go through the basic nuts and bolts of the okay. show before we uh, dig any deeper. Uh, but the show was created 
by, hold on, is it Jason Smilovic? Jason Smilovic, Jason Smilovic is mostly responsible uh, for failed TV shows. He did uh, the TV show Karen Sisko, which uh, was basically a spinoff of the movie Out of Sight. Uh, He did the failed TV show Kidnapped, which is on our list. He did Bionic Woman, which... Uh, we've well, already done, yeah. and we've got did my own worst enemy. His latest series is Condor, loosely based on Three Days of the Condor, which did actually get a second season. So at least he's breaking the mold. Uh, he was also uh, responsible or co-responsible anyway for the screenplays to Lucky Number Slevin. Remember that hit and War Dogs. Lucky Number Slevin seems like the kind of film that would have my own worst enemy by lit on the soundtrack, doesn't it? little bit. Um, and uh, rounding out the cast. So we've got Christian Slater as Henry and Edward. Uh, we have got uh, Machen Amick from uh, Twin Peaks, whose name I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing right. I think it's Madchen, but it could be Ma- yeah. Uh Anyway, uh, she uh, she plays his his uh, wife, who has no idea about his secret agent uh, double identity. Yeah, Play- his his uh, secret identity is that, sorry, is that he, he's out of town a lot. Yeah, he's got a job. That's it. He just yeah. that's his that's his cover. He, he travels for business. Mm-hmm. Um, their kids are both played by future superstars, mm-hmm. so that's really really funny. And none of, neither of them were big yet. So as his teenage son, we've got Taylor Lautner from Twilight. Well, at that point, from Shark Boy and Lava Girl. But Taylor Lautner, you know, yeah. from Twilight, and then as very young girl, like she, you know, she, she was eleven or twelve at the time. Yeah, she would yeah. eventually become a teen star, but playing his daughter as a young Bella Thorne uh, from uh, what do people know Bella Thorne from? Like uh, Blended and uh, Scream, the series. 14, uh, yeah, uh, she's more. She's got. She had a show on um, what? What do you call it? I think she's more. What if uh, ABC Family turned into Freeform? She had a show on Freeform. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think she's better known just sort of as a public personality now. Yeah, uh, yeah she's big. Spoke out of you know in favor of queer rights and, yeah. and uh, revenge porn. You know, she's she's a very vocal well, against advocate. revenge porn. That, 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 that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Not in, not in favor of it. Jesus. Um, but uh, also rounding out the cast, uh, Ed, uh, sorry, Henry has a psychologist uh, who is played by Saffron Burroughs. You may remember from stuff like Deep Blue Sea. Uh, and uh, his bosses are played by and his bosses in the spy agency are played by the great Alfred Woodard and the great James Cromwell. And also he has a partner who, just like uh, Henry, has a secret identity sort of hardwired into his brain, uh, played by an actor named Mike O'Malley, who I don't think I've ever seen in a big series before, although uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, He actually had his own sitcom for a while called The Michael Malley Show. He co-hosted the Nickelodeon show Guts. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. He was on a CBS show called Yes, Dear, which I didn't see, but fair enough. Um, He was on Glee for a while. Uh, You might also remember him from movies like Eat, Pray, Love, or Deep Impact, or Sully. Uh, So he's a really hard-working actor. Um, And, uh, yeah, he he actually plays, like, the tough guy of the series, and that's not what he's usually known for. And he also brings it. I think he's a really good addition to the cast. Um, I think the entire cast is good. The entire uh, cast is strong. I mean, the, Bella Thorne and Taylor Lautner are just teen stars at that point. Well, they have very little to work with, especially yeah. Bella Thorne. And, and poor Taylor Lautner is given, like, the worst subplots. It's he's like, he's nothing. He, I assume they would have done something with him eventually, because one of his subplots is uh, he's been, like, his parents think he's been taking guitar lessons, but he's actually been learning, like, martial arts, and he's mm-hmm. crazy good at it. And you just know there would have been a scene eventually where he had That's to fight alongside his dad or something, but... We never got there because My Own Worst Enemy lasted only nine episodes. Or rather, it lasted four, then it was canceled, but they let them finish the nine they'd done. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, it ran uh, from October 13th through December 15th, 2008. It aired opposite Boston Legal. Not a good time slot. And uh, yeah, it, it didn't do great. And I suspect the reason it didn't do great uh, is because, you know that preview that I played for you? And you can't really see it. The preview that they had was like, meet Henry. And it's Henry doing something really kind of boring, like um, trying to open a jar of pickles. And he can't do it. because. Eh. And then <laughs> now meet Edward. And Edward's like snapping a guy's it's neck like, like it's nothing. Opening a guy's skull cap. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the trailer ends with two different men living in the same body, mm. and neither of them knows. That's a lie. <laughs> Edward knows about it. Mm. The premise of the show sounds good until they start explaining it. Because the idea of a normal guy who has no idea he's also a super spy. And a murderer at that. And a murderer. And like, and like, and like a dark Jack Bauer super spy who does ethically mm. murky, if not outright immoral things. Um, that's strong. I like the idea of flipping the secret identity on its head so that the super powerful secret identity someone has is actually something that shocks and horrifies the, the normal person. There's something to that. And I think at its best, my own worst enemy sort of tackles that as we get to see Henry's um, horror at what Edward does for a living. Um, but the actual mechanics of it don't make any sense. It isn't like he finds out he has uh, an alternate identity, uh, which is a real medical condition that is very rarely, if ever, portrayed accurately in cinema. Mm. Um, it's definitely not like the movie Split. <laughs> Split, I mean, Split is like a it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. I it's... think Split only tips its hat that it's a Saturday morning cartoon at the end. I remember mm. the first time I saw Split, I was actually kind of, like, I, I think it's well-crafted and, like, exciting and suspenseful, but I was also kind of mad at the way that they completely othered people with a serious and real mental illness. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the very end, which is was a twist at the time, and now everyone knows, that it took place in the same world as Unbreakable, that I'm like, oh, okay, so we're dealing with broad allegory, mm -hmm. not reality here, because before then, it seemed like the real world, but this thing happened. Yeah. But once you said it in a comic book universe, it's still arguably offensive, and we can have that conversation, and I noticed recently people have been, and I'm glad. But at the very least, there's some explanation for why we thought they could—they they thought they could they get could away with it. Depict this in this particular way. In yeah. this, in this, I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't want to do that in this series is because then you start dealing with actual mental health issues, mm -hmm. and you can't really be, have fun with it anymore because it's serious and maybe sad. And so, the idea is. In order to enter this secret spy organization called Janus, uh, J-N-U-S, uh, named after the two-headed god, get it? Um, Edward had to undergo like a surgery, get a chip implanted in his head that allowed them to turn his alter ego on and off and give him a secret, normal, boring life. Here's what they never explain in the series. Mm. Why that was necessary. Uh we we see these sort of spy things all the time where like look at something like Mr. and Mrs. Smith where mm -hmm. they, they both fall in love and they marry each other uh, and it turns out they're both spies so they're both trying to hide their spy lives from each other isn't that funny that they're both actually spies and it, it's contrived but it's funny yeah it's a fun movie it, it was a hit uh, but yeah they they know they're spies and the joke is you know what lengths are they going to have to go to to explain themselves in a normal scenario. Yeah. How good are they at switching back and forth? Uh, I, I assume they had to erase the Edward identity in sort of 
uh, a capture torture sort of situation. If uh, Henry, if Edward were ever caught, mm-hmm. they could switch on Henry, and Henry wouldn't be able to confirm anything. Right. See, that's actually a plausible reason to do that. Mm -hmm. Problem is, they never do that, and they can't do it remotely anyway. Oh, they can only do it in the elevator. They've right? never yeah. they've never seen him do it except like in an elevator or like in a chair. There's like an they elevator. They there's an ele- they don't though. That's true. If they did, they could try it over and over again. But instead, what happens is when that chip breaks, they're like, we don't know what to do. So, they, at one point, they imply that the reason for this is they'll have an alternate identity that actually has all of the sort of human comforts, you know, family bonding. Mm-hmm. rest relaxation that their spy versions could never have but there's really nothing that i mean they they could just have a vacation or something right they could just have a dog like there's a lot of different ways to get like (laughs) love and affection not everybody needs a family to acquire those things not that i'm putting that down i'm not sure it was a love and affection thing i think it was really just a, a spy maneuver to, to to give this person like actual life and things that they were doing in the real world. So if somebody tried to track down the spy, they'd only find this boring person who literally has no knowledge of any spy nonsense. But here's here's the thing I don't buy though. Mm-hmm. You a you've got all this technology and you're only like implant memories and rewire people's brains and you're only using it for this, which I don't <laughs> really buy. That's a waste of money, especially considering you apparently. I mean, Henry's been an alternate ego for about 13 years because he has, like, a teenage kids and a wife, and yeah. he's been living this life this whole time. So that technology's been around for a while, and they've never engineered another use for it. Maybe we'll get to that eventually, but, man, you'd think it would have come up. Um, so that I don't buy. Uh, but the other thing is, again, if what you're looking for is, oh, no, what if they're captured... How do we prevent them from doing whatever? Well, let's say you turn off their alter ego and they give them no information. They're just going to kill that guy, right? They're not just going to let him go if he was found, like, I don't know, in a terrorist cell in a, you know, somewhere, you know? So actually is caught by a couple terrorists over the course of the series, like a couple bad guys, and they just show up at his house and threaten him. Like so, it doesn't really matter what he knows. That's yeah. the guy. It doesn't. It doesn't work. That mm-hmm. doesn't figure itself out. And really, you know, if you're well, no, what do we do if one of our uh, operatives is abducted? Mm-hmm. The same thing you've been doing for forever. You either renounce them mm-hmm. and you make sure that they don't know shit because that's what you do in a spy organization. It's compartmentalized. Not everyone knows everything. Or you you do the other thing, which is a suicide pill, which is. Of course, horrifying, but that's a thing. At the very least, it's a trope in movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's. I don't know how common it is out in the real world. I know, I, I know it does exist. Yeah, but yeah, but like it's a. My point is this: if you're trying to solve, you just found the absolute most expensive way to solve a problem you already solved. Mm-hmm. So, that's the thing that pisses me off about this show. It's the premise is fun. The premise <laughs> is something you could do some fun stuff with, mm-hmm. but the actual rationale—they never came up with a decent rationale for it. You're the right, rationale yeah. is extremely forced, and I'm constantly distracted by how much money they're throwing at this problem. And the other thing that ruins it as well for me is, in, and we'll go through it episode by episode like we already do. It won't take long. It's nine episodes. <laughs> uh, but in the first episode, it breaks down, and Edward isn't an idiot. He tells them, this broke. And they know it broke because they've been like on comms with him and Henry doesn't know what the hell is going on. They have to rescue him. And turns out his best friend from work is also one of these operatives. And oh no. 
so they explain that they bring Henry in and they explain to him, like, look, we're going to have to erase all this from your memory anyway. So who cares? Uh, this is what's going on. Just chill. We'll fix it all. And Henry, of course, has this incredible existential crisis. As he would. Yeah, as anyone would. You don't exist. You were a fictional, like, persona invented by the U.S. government. So they're just like, listen. Or, or whatever Janus is. They don't yeah. ever explain how it's connected to the U.S. government. The implications that it is, though, they yeah. do talk to other organizations it's, and it's, it's friendly. So it's clearly it's. It's a CTU. It's, it's a fake organization so that they can have it do things without, like, besmirching the CIA or the NSA right. or whatever. Um, but. Uh, or, or worrying about the way those um, those organizations actually operate. Exactly. They just sort of do whatever they want. Exactly. And I'm fine with that. I understand yeah. that you want to separate it from reality because reality isn't as fun as you want your TV show to be. But they say, listen, the chip is broken. We haven't found a way to fix it yet. Just uh, stay cool. Don't call anybody. Just hang out in Edward's apartment because whatever, he hangs out in your house. Mm-hmm. So, like, just, just chill. And uh, then it turns out that the thing is so broke that they can't, like, get it out of his brain. They can't remove the chip without lobotomizing him. And they... And they don't know how to fix it. They don't know how to fix it so that they can turn it on and off at will anymore. It's just kind of broken somehow. So he's just going to keep popping in randomly. Here's the thing that I don't buy. They still keep putting him on missions. Yeah, you would think that uh, if this Henry guy is going to show up at random times mm-hmm. and screw up a mission, that yeah. they wouldn't put him out in the field. Yeah, that's, listen, you leave Ed- him. Edward would be fine probably figuring out home life. I mean, he doesn't and, like it. I mean, that's the whole yeah. thing is he's kind of a sociopath, but and that makes it fun to see him actually trying to figure out how to deal with a family. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing is, yeah, you keep putting him on two-man missions with this other guy in, like, really life or death world politics changing operations. And what you really should be doing is at the very least, I mean, there's so many options here. Briefing both of them. Yeah. You brief both. Here's what, there's so many options here that just, I mean, yeah, the show won't be as fun, but it's, you're creating the problem and you're coming up with the worst way to solve it. Here's what you do. You tell Edward to take a vacation while we figure this out. Mm. If you absolutely have to keep him around for appearances because you don't want everyone knowing that your technology is broken and your entire secret organization is fucking stupid and shouldn't be funded, which it is, so I get it, ground him for a while. Have him fake a serious injury, or if you're that hardcore, break his leg or something, and just wait it out for a while while you try to fix the technology and Henry can stay behind and, I don't know... Be a tactician or something? <laughs> Consult? Teach? Well, I don't know. Like, There's so many other things you could have done. And the entire show rests on, well, we have to put him out in the field. You literally don't. Well, here's the, here's the thing that they kept on stressing that actually sells their point. It's that Edward is just so good at what he does. He is, uh, he is the only one capable of carrying out some of these missions, not just because he's good, but also because he is a very particular type of sociopath mm-hmm. that doesn't really care about human life, and he's okay murdering people for, he doesn't even care if it's the greater good, just yeah. to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, and they do stress that repeatedly. So I think they do sell that. They, they try to sell that. that and that's why they keep putting Henry on the mission. Here's why I don't buy does, that. Whether or not you buy it, it's still fun to watch because we get to see the two personalities, the two Christian Slaters, can like sort of interact with each other in a way by like leaving messages, and they really begin to resent one another pretty badly. And mm-hmm. I think the the real heart of the show is the fact that we get to see 
uh, Christian Slater arguing with himself as to what is the better life? What's the better way to live? Is it to like sacrifice your livelihood and be really cold and take care of things in the shadows to make sure the rest of the world operates, or is it to be a good human being, and what's the value of that? See, that's the good pitch for the show. Yeah. That's The problem is and, and the explanation a, doesn't make it work, because the was, show ends yeah. up being about its plot. Mm -hmm. If the show had just... And I think the biggest... I think you solved the, the quickest solution to this. Oh. If you're really committed to this whole microchip in the brain thing, and I get why you're doing it, because it gives you a little distance from the reality of, of, of a serious mental condition. Hmm. Um... You don't have him tell anybody. That's it. No, like he's, Edward. He's, Edward he's knows. Keeping it a secret from Edward his boss. knows. He's got to keep it a secret from his boss because he's worried that listen, I work for a secret spy organization. Yeah. They'll have us killed if we can't fix this. So, like, only he and like the kind of the nervous tech guy who can be easily bullied into silence. Mm -hmm. Only those two people know. Yeah. Solved it. That's it. You have someone to talk to, someone who's trying to fix but the it. The entire organization knows. Yeah. Alfred Woodard knows. Yeah, like, but Cromwell if it, is, who's Alfred Woodard's boss, yeah. is the only one who doesn't know. So it's actually all of them working over time to, to hide that fact from James Cromwell. Right. But it would be so much easier and simpler and more effective if, it, if Slater and Slater, which I'm just going to call them that, because Slater versus Slater is a way better title for this show. <laughs> uh, Should have just named the character Slater. Slater versus Slater. Yeah. It works. Henry Slater and Edward Slater. Done. Uh, but if Slater and Slater only had each other to rely on, mm. then you've got a show, I think. But because he's got this big support net with like multi-million dollar computer systems and people who run secret spy agencies and another like co-spy who is just as ruthless as he is, which kind of shoots holes in the whole Christian Slater is the only one who can do this kind of vibe because well, we see he, that he and a couple others. Yeah, but we see that they're not the only one. So like, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. <laughs> but you're right. The fun and games of it. Yeah. The fun and games of it is just the, the two the Slaters yeah. adapting to each other's lives, and that's fun. It's fun. They're jumping into each other's lives. We get to see, you know, Henry freaking out in extreme situations. I love the interrogation scenes mm -hmm. where uh, the two Slaters essentially have to play good cop, bad cop. So Christian Slater is like, oh, gosh, I'm Henry. What do I do? Uh, well, you better tell us where those bombs are. We might do something kind of mean. Well, I'm really nervous. Okay, bye. And the the, the <laughs> terrorist is like, okay, that was a little weird. Yeah. And then he leaves the room and he immediately enters again. Tell me where the bombs are, you bastard. I'm going to stab you in the kneecaps. No, no, what the fuck? It reminds me like, of that great gag in the first Steve Martin Pink Panther where mm -hmm. he plays good cop and bad cop, but he's both. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. So same, he's like yelling thing. and berating at a witness like, you're going down for this. No one's going to ever help you again. I'll break your legs. And he leaves. Good day. Slams the door. Walks back in. Hey, buddy. <laughs> How you doing? And Everything work, okay? It this works is going to really be well. fun. It's so funny in that movie. That movie's really those underrated. Those movies are actually pretty good. Especially that first one's actually like really genuine. I mean, it's a totally different way than the right. Peter Sellers one, but that first Steve Martin and Pink Panther movie is actually really good. But yeah, it's... It's better than some of the ones that didn't have Peter Sellers, like from it's better than, like the seventies. It's better than at least one or two of the ones with Peter Sellers, like some yeah, of the later yeah. ones. Like, mm. like the, the first four, good. Well, not 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 so much the Alan Arkin one. Okay, not yeah, the Alan Arkin ones. Yeah, blah, but it's pretty bad. But yeah, we got off on a thing. Um, but yeah, so listen, when the, when the, the when idea the, of, of yeah. when, when Henry has to come in and do spy stuff, he's really out of his element, and mm. then. Uh, it's really amusing when Edward gets to step in in the same mission and people mm. get really kind of thrown. There's a really great sequence uh, midway through the series where he visits the house of like a drug lord, but he's Henry and Henry's only reaction is 
you need to be a better father. Yeah, be that, a warmer guy. That's my that's my yeah, favorite yeah. gag that they do in the second episode. I think it's the second episode. All right. Uh, where um, the whole thing is they need. This is one that actually justifies putting Henry in the field. Uh, sorry, putting Henry in the fields because Edward is actually the only person who can talk to this one bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy has a good relationship with Edward because they're both sociopaths. Mm. So he goes to meet this guy, and th- what they're doing is they're leaving each other video messages on their phone to let them know, okay, uh, if, really, if really hateful ones, like you <laughs> bastard, you idiot. Okay, I hate here's so how, much. Here's how not to screw this up. Like, listen, you just gotta buy my daughter a fucking prom dress. Just gotta buy her the dress. Don't fuck it up. I swear to fucking god, just and be nice to my daughter. He ends up buying this like two thousand dollar dress that shows way too much skin. And yeah, and so his mom, so his mom's really mad at them, and he's like, ah. Like, there's something to that. So he's telling, and they can feel each other coming on. They have, like, maybe 30 seconds heads up so they can leave a quick video. Mm. Um, and so he's just like, okay, listen, this guy's, a, this guy's a monster. Just don't, just be me. Don't talk. Don't do anything stupid. Just act like a hard ass. And at this point, Henry is just, like, so fucking done with this. Like, he's just, he's having a little nervous breakdown. And he's just like, hey, man, yeah, 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 I know it's, I know I'm supposed to be kind of a hard ass, but I'm having a really rough day. Uh, how you doing? He's like, uh, I'm, I'm okay. Cool, let's go hang out outside. Oh, your daughter's got a new horse. Yeah, she hates me. Well, don't buy her something as expensive as a horse. Ask her what she wants for a change, and then she won't feel like obligated to like whatever you give her. And the guy's just like, I'm going to write that down. That. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Like, oh, that's a really nice watch. And, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, this is Edward's watch. And, and there's, only, really like, there's watch. only 10 oh, in the yeah. world. Take oh, it. Fuck it. Here, have it. Have Edward's watch. I don't give a damn. And ends up, like, by being that friendly, he yeah. actually befriends the bad guys so much that he decides not to betray and kill him. Mm-hmm. That's fun, because you get to see the two worlds, like, collide and work out in unexpected ways. Yeah, that's one, th- that's one of the better versions of it. I think, and I think there's a lot of little moments like that yeah. throughout. I mean, some are like, where's the bomb, and who cares? There's a, a subplot, I think it's in episode four, where mm. they meet a, a tertiary... Um, flippity do spy who could like she, I don't know what to call him uh, <laughs> just a spy with a chip in her brain yeah and and she she's also malfunctioning and they're not really sure what to do with yeah. with her well the issue the main issue and, is they went on a mission with her mm-hmm. and then Henry flipped uh, like in the middle of it just as she was shot and he said something that basically blew their cover and let them know that the chip is broken. Yeah. But then she's in a coma and they don't know how much she knows. So they're basically wondering, it's like, do we have to kill her? Or can we just flip her on her yeah. alternate personality and just leave it on all the time? Yeah. Or or does she know nothing and we're fine? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. They end up doing the merciful thing and giving her her, her quote, more well, boring personality. And that's the thing that they end up doing. And I actually thought this was something that almost might have justified it, which is... When we, because the whole threat is, oh no, what are they going to do to us if we can't fix us? And their whole thing is, well, what we do is we just turn off your secret agent identity and we let you be the normal person for forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's yeah. not so bad. Yeah, that's, that actually sounds incredibly humane. Yeah, I mean, you're killing this one personality, but you live and but you're not a national security has, risk and, well, and, you're, also, and you volunteer for it. Yeah, I was about to say that this Edward volunteered for this. It's yeah. not like he was indoctrinated in some sort of violent way. So, like, what you're doing when you're watching it is you're just like, so the worst case scenario, aside from him dying in a mission, which he should be out on doing anyway, so the worst case scenario is Henry lives on and the sociopath goes away. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really I, feeling very intimidated by and, this. And here's what I like about, about the Henry. Like, he's presented compared to Edward's life as kind of having a, a more typical boring life. Like, he has just sort of an office job. Mm-hmm. He's not a very aggressive person. But, you know, he struggles in his marriage, but he's not unhappy. 
No. He's actually a very content fellow. Yeah, he's a little dull, but, and, like, he's actually the, doing pretty good. And the, and Edward, conversely, even though he does, like, cool, like, ultra-masculine spy stuff, he can break your neck just by mm. with his eyelash, whatever it is, uh, he's not presented as cool. He's actually presented as kind of a villain. Yeah. At so, least initially. They start softening so, um, him a bit over time, but well, I think because, a big part of that of is his, because he starts spending more time with the family. He starts spending more time with the family. He starts, like, listening to the Henry personality mm. a little bit more, so of course he begins to soften. Whereas Henry begins to begrudgingly accept that this sort of organization does exist, even if he doesn't like it. Here's the thing about that. And I like that. I like that whole sort of give and take. We're both going to learn from each other exactly. and change. Well, that's and, that's and, interesting. And I, and I liked part of the premise that it's not that he's like, like, do you remember the film wanted, which is totally like this adolescent power fan? Or oh not, yeah. Not want. Yeah. Wanted. With James McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, James yeah. McAvoy is, He's an, he's an office wonk, but he's like his girlfriend is cheating on him and he's really wussy and his best friend pushes him around and it turns out he's a super assassin who can bend bullets with his mind, who takes assassination clues from a magical loom. Like, you know, like adolescents want, I yeah. guess. Um, the loom, by the way, in that movie, it's based on a comic book. The loom wasn't in the comic book. They invented that for the film. It's, it's such a stupid thing. The comic book's actually, like, the comic book's insanely fucked up and immature, but it's actually a better idea. The idea is super villains are real, and they took over the world, and they and erased this is the any... the way they wanted. Yeah, this, they, they erased everyone's memory that super villains are actually running things, and they're all these, like, close analogs of, like, the Joker and Lex Luthor and shit, and they're just sort of secretly running the world. And all of the superheroes have been had their lives like basically ruined. And it turns out that Christopher Reeve and Adam West actually were Superman and Batman. And now they're they're both one's just kind of a joke of an actor, the other one's not having a great like end of his life. And so like you're just watching him like, oh, that's some fucked up shit. And then they changed it to this instead of this like evil power fantasy about wanting to be the worst person in the world and get away with it. Uh, they made it, we're superhero assassins who kill people who might be evil later because the loom told us so. Yeah. How was that streamlining the concept? <laughs> it just, they just made it's it a weird change. I mean, they're both convoluted, but yeah, you didn't, you didn't make it better. Weird. The, the idea of the film version of Wanted is that, uh, just, that was the example I cited, was that it, it was meant as this sort of adolescent power fantasy. Yeah. I, I suddenly get to shoot guys. I feel like my own worst enemy is clearly written from the perspective of somebody who's a little bit older, maybe somebody who has a family, and somebody who's realized that the murder people fa- power fantasy yeah. is is really fucked up to have, especially as an adult. Did you ever did you ever watch the Stargate TV series, Stargate SG One? I, I think I saw like an episode and a half. I've, I never really got into. it. I liked the movie fine, but I never really got into the show. But they had a marathon once on the Sci Fi Channel, like the fan favorite best episodes. And one of the ones that was right near the top was actually kind of like that, and it was really fun. It turns out um, okay. Richard Dean Anderson played the uh, the Kurt Russell role, and um, I don't know if he was playing literally the same character, but basically the same guy. And um, he started. Uh, no, sorry, it's about a normal guy who starts having visions of everything uh, Richard Dean Anderson is up to. And he starts having these visions of like all these crazy sci-fi things and alien attacks, and he thinks he's going mad. And then it turns out that due to some magical interdimensional widget, they sort of share consciousnesses with Richard Dean Anderson. And they said, but that would only make sense if Richard Dean Anderson was having visions of your really normal life, and he had been for years. And Richard Dean Anderson says, or his character says, uh, I have. You have? Yeah. Why didn't you say anything? They were relaxing. And I like, 
oh, that's kind of nice <laughs> that a superhero, like an action hero, would fantasize about normality. Mm-hmm. And that that would be their kind of power fantasy is to have power over their own lives and to just be able to relax and have a normal, everyday, maybe family friendly existence. Mm-hmm. That's really satisfying. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, the older I get, the more I can appreciate that fantasy too. Mm-hmm. This show wants to have it both ways. But I do like that at no point in the series, as far as we got, Mm. did Henry ever truly enjoy himself as Edward. Well, because I think this show, and this is what the refreshing part about, maybe this is why I responded to it, because it's like the age I am. Sure. But it's it's told, it's not for a teen audience, it's for an adult male audience. And I think it is really confronting this uh, midlife crisis sort of fantasy of... I wish my life were sexier somehow. Yeah. And really arguing that no, and arguing rightly so, because I think a lot of people sort of who have worked really hard to have a nice suburban home and to have a family, even though they're sort of struggling and not cool anymore, really appreciate it now. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really trying to reclaim that for, uh, I mean, just say it, an older male audience. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot about mm-hmm. how like, I mean, yeah, the superhero genre lives on and it probably always will. And, but the target demo for it, I mean, it's probably gone up a bit as people mm-hmm. like no longer felt the need to like spur childish things as they grew up, grew up for like spurn, spurn yeah. sorry, you know what I mean? But like basically like, I mean, oh, as an adult, I put away childish things. You really don't have to anymore. It's fine. We won't judge you if you still like comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but the target demo for that is, is typically like, you know, in the teens to like maybe the early thirties. And that's like where they often like try to aim yeah. is to try to hit that audience. But you people really? grow up more than that and they start having different fantasies. And I keep thinking about like, what are the fantasies that people in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s have? And it's not all the obvious shit like, we want to be young again. Like, no, there are other, like, things mm. to think about. And Well, think of this. When you're young, you have all these dreams about making it big, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I want to be the hero. I want to have it all give, delivered to me right away. Okay, it's delivered to you. You have that fantasy fulfilled. And now you are, you've worked really hard. Now you have some respect in your field. Now you have a nice things now. You have a nice home and you have the people you want to be with and you actually want to have kids and pass on your lineage. And guess what? You just became the square parent in the khaki pants yeah. that the teenagers resent. Yeah. Um, it, it's be, becoming middle-aged is going to be rough, right? You know, but I think, <laughs> but I think people forget that people who, are older and out of that sort of teen fantasy demographic still have an imagination and still have a rich mm. inner life. And they still want to see their lives sort of portrayed in fun ways. There's a really good show. I've only seen the first episode so far, but there's a really good show on HBO max now called close enough from, um, JG Quintel, the creator of regular show. Okay. Is, you ever watch regular show? No. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. I really was a big fan. It overstated. It's welcome a little bit. The last couple of seasons weren't great, but it was really, really cute. But it was about like young sort of slacker people and every single well, episode like of animal people. Right? Yeah. There was a, there was a raccoon and like a blue Oriole. Um, bluebird. yeah, bluebird or something, whatever, some kind of bluebird. Um, uh, and they were just like late teens, early twenties, working class guys. And the whole thing is every episode was some banal everyday thing that gets blown into cartoonishly comic booky proportions. Um, he's got a new show on HBO max called close enough, wow. uh, which is basically that, but for people in like their early thirties and it's about a couple, they have a young daughter and they're just doing all the everyday shit 
that people that age do, but just like regular show, it goes absolutely crazy. In the first episode, one of the stories is uh, the wife character, whose name escapes me because I only saw the first episode. Um, you know, their home life is chaotic. Their house is falling apart. They have to have a bunch of roommates in order to make rent. And what she does in order to relax is she goes to open houses and sort of enjoys the idea of being in a big house. There's no way they can afford that but it's relaxing to her. And then when she's at a house, she sees a bunch of other people who are doing the same thing and they end up trapped in the house. Like it's an episode of oh, full house, but it's a haunted house and they can't leave because it's a sad. fake family. And that's the only thing. Everything in it is fake and nothing is actually satisfying. Have you seen the exterminating angel? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like that, but imagine exterminating angel, right. but instead of just a dinner party, you're living in an episode of full house. That sounds amazing. It's amazing. It's really good. Like, I really enjoyed the show. So, like, that's someone who's actually, like, working within that realm. And My Own Worst Enemy is trying to do that, but it's also trying to do the immature power fantasy at the same time, which well, is weird. Well, that, that's why I brought up the depiction of Edward. And we're not – I mean, this is sort of soap opera. There are individual arcs within episodes, mm. but I think it's – Mostly about the interplay between the characters. And it's it, it it's a, stretch there's, over. There's an there's an oh, there's an oh action God. adventure thing of the week, and there's like a family friendly thing of the week. Yeah, and we already mentioned there's a subplot with Taylor mm -hmm. Lautner where he's secretly going to fight clubs. Mm -hmm. uh, he's taking me actually like legit martial art classes. But, yeah, yeah, but like really violent ones. Like yeah, like they're really hitting each other with sticks and everything like yeah, that, yeah. and they're a little horrified. But he's mm -hmm. so good at it and so passionate yeah. about it that they support him. Uh, and... Bella, Bella Thorne has no subplots because she's eleven. Uh, yeah. But, there's one uh, there's, where uh, Machinamic's like father comes in. It's like he's got a big revelation, and she's really, really worried. And uh, it turns out it's like, yeah, I was a, I was adopted as a kid, and I found out my birth mother was Jewish, so I'm Jewish now. And like that's the whole thing, right? It's actually just kind of oh, it's incredibly benign. Okay, uh, the big one of the big dramas at home is uh, Machinamic uh, decides she might want a third kid, and that's a big drama for Henry and Edward. Yeah. Doesn't he didn't want the kids he has anyway. Yeah. So a third kid. And especially now that he might actually have actually to have deal father, with the parenting. He has no yeah. interest whatsoever. And he, did, he wants to veto the third kid and Henry really wants the third kid. So there's that stuff going on. And of uh, course, there's, there's also uh, their sex life was on the rocks, but Edward appears in bed with Machinamic and uh, like evidently spices like, it up and knows, um, knows a lot of new techniques that she's actually really on board with. And boy, did that cross the line for me because that's not fun anymore. Yeah, it's the same body, but it's a different person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where it starts getting really creepy in the first episode. And so for the first episode, maybe two, mm. I thought the show was going to be really dark. Yeah. Because that's a really dark premise. That's really, like, it's really fucked up, actually, if you look at it from her perspective or Henry's or Edward's. There's no good perspective there. It's all fucked well, up, maybe on different levels. And the, well, I, it did certainly serve to, to stress how repugnant Edward is. Sure, exactly. Yeah. But that's repugnant by the end of the of the episodes that we got edward isn't supposed to be repugnant anymore we're supposed to be mostly on his side and i think they they started so big mm. making edward just a monster that yeah you kind of i can kind of see why maybe ratings started to flag some more because why do i want to see that guy succeed well, he's I, kind of a he's kind of an asshole. Well, that's and that that again to to stress what I was saying earlier. Henry's the hero of the show. Edward isn't. Edward is only ever depicted as kind of allowed. Uh, yeah, he's kind of allowed to a completely horrible human being, mm -hmm. com completely deconstructing this middle aged power fantasy. About halfway through this series, I started fantasizing about it being structured differently, hmm. where instead of just following Christian Slater, no matter what character he plays, what if we only saw things from Henry's perspective? 
So he's okay. going about his he's he's going about his life. Oh, so like he starts he, getting he, a headache. He passes and, out, and then he wakes up, and he's in this new bizarre it, scenario. Yeah, it's just that's it. I mean, all the audience, it, just like Henry, is missing time, mm-hmm. and then he wakes up in a bizarre scenario, and he has to adjust to it, like the movie Memento. So you would constantly have this sense of sort of discovery mm-hmm. with it, but also uh, uncertainty, suspense, surprise, horror. The other thing I was thinking of doing was actually like taking a page out of this anime series I talked about a while ago called My Roommate is a Cat, mm-hmm. where the first half of an episode is about the cat owner's perspective and the second half is about the cat's perspective and how they both care about each other, but they don't understand each other at all. Mm-hmm. What if the first half of every episode you followed Henry and it was the whole full story? And then the second half, you saw it from Edward's perspective and you filled in all the gaps and he realizes a lot of stuff that Henry didn't fully understand or okay. vice versa. Yeah. That could also That's, have been a fun thing to do and kind of something kind of only the show could have done. Hmm. But instead we just follow Christian Slater the whole time. And I got to be honest, when you don't like one of the characters, <laughs> it's, it hurts the show a bit. For oh, I, I, I'm willing to roll with that because I, I, I feel that you're not supposed to like Edward. Right. That, in fact, you're specifically supposed to, you're supposed to like Henry and hate Edward because you're supposed to relate to Henry because Henry's more like, a, Henry's a normal person. Mm-hmm. And we presumably are not spies who are watching this program <laughs> who have chips in our brains. Be interesting if we were spies. <laughs> I wonder what or, spy, if you're a spy, or, or if anyone's I, listening is a spy. Or am I? Oh no, Michael's coming out. Hey, what's up? I hating Mar Bergman. I'm dead serious. If uh, anyone here is a spy, you can, you can send us in like anonymous email and just let us know. Like <laughs> set up a fake did, email. Did, did my own worst enemy like, is it good? <laughs> Does it work for you? Or do you have issues with it? Because we often ask ourselves this, like, oh, what would, like, a real doctor think of a doctor show? Yeah. Well, you know, my, what, my mom worked in a hospital yeah. for many years. She was constantly criticizing exactly. hospital shows. Every, every tiny detail, they got wrong. I know. People in law enforcement <clears throat> have the same issue about legal shows. I, I grew up with teachers. Every time a TV show or movie depicted, like, a teaching environment, it there's only, like, one show that's ever gotten it consistently right. Mm-hmm. And it was the fourth season of The Wire. Like, everything else gets it completely wrong all the time. Yeah. So it was just unwatchable to my parents because they're so distracted by the reality of it. it. But spies, man, people, either spies don't see movies or they never talk about it. I want to know what a spy thinks of spy movies. I would kill for that podcast. A former CIA <laughs> agent or a former MI6 agent, you can like put that like cool transmorphing like thing on your voice so you talk like this. Like, I just want a podcast with a former spy who just watches every spy movie and TV show and says what 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 works and what doesn't. Well, here, here's what I'm guessing. Spy work, like, it's not like Ethan Hunt where you got all these cool gadgets exactly. and you bore holes through the Vatican and steal giant gems that you hide in your belt buckle and something hidden in your eyeball, you know? Well, not every day. N- n- never. I mean... <laughs> Kidding, like you don't get to do That's any, thing, any of the cool shit. It's probably more like the movie, uh, the uh, what was it, the program, mm. where uh, you're just sort of in the in a basement room that's gray. Is the a basement. Um, the one uh, from last year with uh, Annette Bening and and uh, Kylo Ren as. Uh, oh, the, you mean um, the not the, the, not the, the assignment, was, the the papers, the report, the report, the report. Sorry, the program yeah. was the land, the the sports movie. It was the the cycling the, movie. It's about Lance Armstrong. Oh, okay. I think there was a football movie called The Program. It came out in the nineties. Oh, okay. Um, no, the the uh, the Kylo Ren movie was about how being a spy 
was really this dull profession. And he just sort of went down into a basement, clocked in outside of a gray door, went through, and it was just a line of desks. Yeah. And they're just on computers all day. There's a, there's a movie that had a great premise, and it really did nothing with it, uh, called From Paris with Love. Where the, I see that the idea yeah. was is that I think it was Wes Bentley, not Wes Bentley, Wes. Um, oh, who's that? Brain, no. brain farts. John Reese Myers. John Reese Myers. They look alike. John Reese Myers. Oh, this is, is the one with uh, John Travolta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I the, did see this. Okay. So the idea was John Reese Myers is a real life spy where he's been embedded in a foreign organization and he spends most of his year doing literally nothing. And the most exciting thing he's had to do all year is plant a bug in his boss's office when no one was looking. Yeah. And that was really intense for him. And then someone else has to come into town and he becomes the contact for a visiting secret agent. And the visiting secret agent is a movie secret agent who does all the cool, crazy nonsense played by John Travolta. And the whole thing is it's just a mismatched cop story between a realistic spy and an unrealistic spy. And you know what? That's a fun setup for a movie. I like that. Movie is not very good. And by not very good, I mean, I mean, I remember nothing except the premise and that it's not very good. And it made no impression on me. <laughs> and, it, and I liked the idea. So, anyway, there's a lot that can be done with the realism of it and have it be fun. There's also plenty of realistic spy movies that are really exciting. You ever see Breach? I did see Breach. Breach kicks yeah. ass. Breach is a really good movie. Yeah, and, that's, and it's just people in offices. Like, there's almost no... Mm. The whole thing is a guy finds out he's like a young guy at like the CIA, and he's told by someone that his boss may be a double agent and to look out after him. That's it. The whole thing. And it's good performances. Yeah. Chris Cooper's amazing in it. It was Ryan Phillippe in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good good flick. Uh, Yeah. And um, I was thinking like, what what would, what would a spy movie be like today? But they already made one called Duplicity, which is about how former like Cold War spies are now just corporate spies. Yeah. They're working for various corporations. Yeah. We're going to steal the idea for like hair restorer. There was an okay one starring, I think it also starred Clive Owen called The International which was actually about uh, an international banking conspiracy. Okay. Uh, which was pretty good. Actually, it, it, it feels like something that was tacked on in a reshoot, but there's actually a really good shootout in the middle of it, but the rest of the movie has nothing to do with, like, one assassination. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. But it's pretty good. Um, but I, I don't know. I think if we're going to have, like, sort of a TV spy, I think we all understand that where my own worst enemy is coming from. This yeah. sort of incredibly imaginary world of spies that is clearly... I mean, first of all, he has a chip in his brain. That's mm. complete fantasy. Yeah. Uh, the idea that the spy organization is in the basement of his own office building, that's probably really far-fetched. It's so pretty stupid, yeah. yeah. If, if there, there's no secret spy room... like There might be a secret somewhere. room somewhere. Well, but, but it's like, probably at the Pentagon, you know, some place yeah. that has a lot of security. Like, there's just basically... There, you would there's basically a closet with, like, an out-of-order sign in front of it, mm-hmm. and, oh, no, there might be a secret server in there. Yeah, it's like, like, that's probably... That, I buy that. That's a, maybe a thing. Yeah, see those great flavored Cheetos? Nobody orders them. Because, you know, why? When you do, beep, beep, the, the, the machine <laughs> opens up, and you slide down the slide into... I just made up great flavored Cheetos. That's not a real thing. <laughs> Nor do I want it to be. That's revolting. Uh, yeah. God, just thinking of that. Yep. Uh, anyway, my own but, worst enemy. But, but we understand those things from the movies, I and don't. I think my own worst enemy is tapping into that. And I think it's, I, I think it's a pretty good show because I think oh. it does a good job of c- confronting how unhealthy it is to want to live that. Look, way. much like from Paris with Love, I like the premise here. I mean, there's some troubling aspects I find off-putting, but I think they put it in enough of a comic booky world that I can, I can live with it. But 
it's not so much the premise that I take issue with, it's the overall implementation. In that the I, the, the rationales that they come up yeah, with are yeah. it gets so convoluted and so contrived, and yet they don't even make sense. So building episode upon episode over all of these like interagency things and rules and explanations, and I don't buy a single one of them, that doesn't work for me at all, and I found it incredibly boring. Uh, the actual episodes themselves, when we have to like, oh, there's a guy who's got dirty bombs, or all that kind of stuff is fine. I never really got super invested in any of them. Mm-hmm. They're hardly even worth cataloging. We It's one where they have to save hostages, and they use a crazy new high-tech gun that looks like a sound system. Um, oh, yeah, that weird gun. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah that, that was like the one, other than the microchip in the brain, that's like the one James Bond spy gadget. That they really have, yeah. except for like a GPS device that also triggers a, a bomb. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I didn't buy any of the premise because it just it doesn't make sense. I, there's no justification for why they would do this. Yeah, like there's no good reason to spend this money. We've invented this technology and we're going to use it for this. This makes no sense. Um, it would have been nice to see. Like, other weird tech stuff they had. Yeah, like, you've invented this like, crazy like, sci-fi like, like shit, but only this? Of, and uh, they do... Because this is uh, kind of a limited premise, I feel like this would have made a better film mm-hmm. than a TV series. Maybe. Where we got to see sort of see, like, one spy mission, or maybe two, where the people are constantly switching back and forth, and right. they don't know how to deal with it. I mean, They're like, getting used to each other's lives. I, I think the premise is... Not simple, but it can be explained within, like, the first act of a movie. Yeah. And then you can have, take the other two acts to have the conflict and, and just the big... That could have been fun. As a uh, TV show, though, I just feel like you, there's so much else you could do. Like, they established that they can, like, insert memories into Henry. So, like, oh, what did you do on your weekend? He did this, he did this, this explains why you have a cut on your cheek, bada-boom, bada-bing. And I'm like, but what they never do is, okay, we're going to send Edward or whoever out on a mission, and, um, yeah, unfortunately it's too dangerous to take one of our tech guys with you. So uh, we just downloaded Linux into your brain and now you can just read Linux. Like if you have to do any hacking, like that's, you couldn't put memories in. Why not? I think they couldn't put memories in Edward's brain. Why not? You're inventing this technology. That, well, yeah, You're making it up. It's like, fine. No, just have it, fun with it. Yeah. They, they, they didn't do anything to Edward's brain other than put Henry in there. And they or can rewrite, did they? We can rewrite Henry however much We can want. play with that too. Or did they? What, and, th- and this is something that I think if the show had gone on for 100 episodes, eventually they would have played with this more. Like, mm-hmm. what if, I mean, I think we've established within the confines of this episode as we find out more about Edward's backstory and his parents were murdered and maybe it was bad guys and people keep, like, trying to trick him into killing other people for them by saying this guy killed your parents, not unlike the movie Memento. And, like, like I'm fine with that. So that basically means we can't find out that Edward was fictional all along. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. that. We, we can't play that card. And find which, out which that is he, fine because that's would have been it would have been cheap too, too contrived it would have been contrived and cheap and it would have taken away any sense of reality from the show and we're asking mm-hmm. ourselves why are we even caring yeah something else that could have been fun though what if the chip malfunctions and creates a third identity and what if the third <laughs> identity becomes the villain of the show okay and they don't know it exists yet there's just this one little clip there's one little bit of time that goes missing between when Henry like it goes in thirds but they can't explain what happened to this extra hour. Yeah. You know, like, oh, no, there's a third guy. And is that his name is um, Robert Lewis. or Lewis or, or Steven. Yeah. yeah, like something. <laughs> like, why not? Let's uh-huh. that you go nuts. Like, you could do it. But um, 
So you would have to play with that, I think, eventually over time. Otherwise, what's going to happen is Henry will become a better secret agent and Edward will become better at family life. Mm-hmm. The other thing you could do over time is maybe have it so that their personalities just merge and create like a third personality that way that literally just combines them. That would be something fun to do yeah. with. That, there's so much fun you could have with this. And I just feel like the the whole like, oh, no, this psychopath has to buy a new refrigerator. Like it's cute for a bit, but like you can't you can't keep it going for too long. I'm glad they took there was a a subplot involving uh, the other agent where he was out Mm. of town for longer than they thought. He was injured in some spy mission, Uh and the reason they had to explain why he wasn't in the hotel where he was was they had to implant a fake affair that he was having on his wife. Yeah, because she She found out he wasn't where he was supposed to be, Mm -hmm. and she tried to, like, meet him, like, at work on a work trip to seduce him, but he never showed up. So now this this fake personality that's been invented is now wracked with guilt for an affair that he didn't have. And the thing I really... That's actually something that's kind of fun, though, is because that character's chip is working properly. Yeah. And he actually, you know, isn't invested in his home life. And the normal version of him has no idea what's going on. And it's a whole other tragedy happening. And then what happens is, oh, after like his marriage falls apart, uh, she ends up... She, 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 she hits someone with her car. And now and, the spy has to help. Yeah, has to clean up what's... Cause she, she says he's, that, he's never actually met the wife. She's, he, yeah, he's never met his own wife. He's only talked to her on the phone a couple of times just when she's calling on a mission and he has to provide a cover. Like, that's it. So... What happens is she they've broken up, she was drinking, and she says, I hit someone with my car, it was a hit and run, I don't know what happened. And he's like, oh my god. <coughs> I can't do that voice. <laughs> oh my god, I don't want to do this. But the alternate version of me couldn't help with this, so I'll tidy up everything that happened. And then it turns out she actually wasn't a hit and run, she was actually... Uh, uh, she was being robbed. She was being yeah. robbed in her car, and she ended up hitting the guy she was trying to escape. And uh, she's been dealing with post-traumatic stress, and now he's actually solving this problem by, like, tracking the guys down and, like, shooting them in the leg and taking back all her jewelry and Mm. stuff. And he ends up actually, like, having that kind of Edward moment where he's actually encountering this fake life and he's getting a little too invested in it. And it kind of would been interesting to see where that was going. Yeah. That one got cut off way too soon. The series... I'm glad they gave that subplot to the supporting character, though, and not... The Christian Slater characters, yeah. because uh, I think it, it would have felt too busy, I think, if he had to deal with this in addition to all the spy stuff. Right. And uh, when it came to some of the things they were getting to, like, by we, by the time we were rounding episodes eight and nine, mm. like, okay, we're going to start talking about have a, having other kids. I mean, it's a new, big revelation at the end. Okay, we're going to have another kid. Uh, but, yeah, like the Taylor Lautner plot. It's like, come he, on. Taylor Lautner buys a car. Yeah, but he—it's a fixer-upper, and it's kind of a waste of money. And he's gonna have to fix it up. And uh, Henry doesn't want to fix it up because he thinks it's a waste of money. And it was all Edward's idea to let him buy the car. <sighs> um, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it's, I don't. It's, I, it's like the I, most boring stuff. I, I don't care. And maybe you could, the one thing that I thought was going to be connected with is he buys the same car or the same kind of car that Edward's parents were in when they died. And I thought maybe there was going to be some totally contrived thing where it was the same car, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe they would have gone there, but yeah, the show ended. Um, (laughs) There was also an episode in which uh, Henry, because it turns out that Henry's uh, psychologist, Saffron Burroughs, was 
always a plant just there to keep an eye on the alternate personality to make sure it didn't like break in some way. Also, it turns out she's been having an affair with Edward this whole time and is just part of the Janus organization. Saffron Burroughs is actually really good in this show. She doesn't have a lot to work with, but I like her a lot as a performer. And so mm. uh, it was nice to see her in something where she got to do some fun stuff, but they don't get enough out of her. Um, and then the series ends uh, with they. Henry is being tortured to death by a bad guy who puts him in a tub full of ice and then burns burns him with like a scalding like teapot and then electrocutes him. But the electrocution resets, it it unplugs and replugs him in basically like a, like a Wi-Fi connection. So, (laughs) so all of a sudden, so that brings Edward back and they think, Oh, okay, this is great. All we need to do to make the change happen whenever we want it to is to electrocute him until he dies. And they're like, I don't like that. Oh, no, 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 no. It's fine. That's not actually it at all. We also have to freeze you first. What? It's a terrible well, idea. I, I, I like the idea that they can switch him back on, but it's hard to do and yeah. he'd be reluctant to do it. So yeah. there's there's a nuclear option, essentially. But the big cliffhanger ending, which, of course, we were stuck with for forever, is the person who was responsible for and said he could fix the problem has been killed. We don't know who did it. Uh, and, uh, the entire, like, reprogramming program has been deleted. Mm. So So everyone is stuck where they are. So I'm pretty sure his partner is stuck in killer mode, and Christian Slater is still stuck with Christian Slater. Mm. And, um, that was the big cliffhanger. That was interesting. It's a fine cliffhanger. It's fine. You know, it would have maybe wanted to see more if it was still on. But but they didn't undo so much or raise the stakes so high that it became ridiculous, like in, say, Alcatraz. Oh, God. There was a big reveal that didn't mean anything. And then also the main main character dies. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. That's one of the least satisfying cliffhangers we've ever ever left on on this Mm. Cancel Too Soon podcast. Um, This one is a perfectly fine cliffhanger. Um... If it had gone on 100 episodes, I think we already talked a bit about it. Mm. More intrigue, more ways to play around with the microchip yeah. technology. I feel with nine episodes, they had just enough time to construct a good theme without having it overstay its welcome. Yeah. And I feel like they were just starting to scrape, scrape against like really bad contrivances well, I think, that would have been just tired after a while. I think, I think you brought up the best point, which mm. is that this is a fun premise – but I don't think there's a whole show in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe if it was a shorter show, maybe if this was like a six episode, three seasons kind of thing, you mm-hmm. could have condensed everything enough that you would have just only hit the good parts. Yeah. Maybe then it would have worked. But as a full length network television series, um, this was already showing signs of strain by exactly. nine episodes yeah. in. So if the answer to the question of, uh, is it canceled too soon? No, no, there's stuff I like no, here, I, I and I know I seem yeah. kind of hard on it because Whitney liked it more than I did, but uh, no, this 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 outlived its welcome, I think. This is a good setup, but they kind of screwed it up. I, I think they did everything they can do, so I'm also yeah. going to say no, uh, yeah. even though I did like the show, and yeah. uh, I, I liked that Christian Slater was able to, you know, really act again and yeah. prove that he has a lot of range as a performer. Uh, I think he's really fine in this show. Yeah, this, he, he, I don't think the he whole does cast wrong. is fine. Yeah. Like the whole cast does their job. There's no, there are people who don't have enough to do, but they're all doing their job. Like we did, we hardly mentioned that, like you know, Matchinamic or Matchinamic and whoever it's pronounced. Um, I love her as an actor. I think she's really, really great. And mm. um, yeah, she gets the thankless role of never being part of the action, but she sells it really well. Mm. And I think she's giving a great performance here. Alfred Woodard is just one of the most reliable character actors 
ever. Yeah, I just she's has she ever given bad. a bad performance? She's never bad. Never once given a bad performance in her entire career. Even when she like well, I mean, in, in Star Trek: First Contact, for instance, like she plays this really kind of bizarre character. Yeah, a little uh, t- like this this like future post apocalypse kind of character, but she plays she's good. She, she brings like she, humanity dude, around. Her whole her, her basically her whole character is to provide an outside perspective for Patrick Stewart, a genuinely great actor, mm. and she's got to come in with almost no character to start with, be a complete fish out of water, and then give him just as much as he get as as he gives. And she's got to have a complete back and forth, give and take, emotional. Mm like scene with Patrick Stewart. That's got to kind of like re reassess the entire theme of the movie. And she's the actor you bring into a role like that to give that life and to play that scene. And to basically like, why is she here? Because she's the kind of actor who can tell Patrick Stewart to shut up and rethink his life. And I buy it. And I want to give a shout out to uh, actress Mindy Sterling. Mm. We, We haven't talked about her yet. She's the boss in like the front organization. Oh Yeah. Uh, you know Mindy Sterling from everything. She's yeah. done cartoon voices. She's done a lot of comedy films. Uh, I guess maybe her most high-profile role was um, uh, Frau Farbissina from the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. So she plays uh, the, the his boss in the yeah. fake business. And, and she, She's one of those actresses who come... She clearly lives by the philosophy there's no small parts, just small performers. Yeah. And so she'll step into a room, completely suck up everybody else's presence... <laughs> With like a single line, it's like, "Hey, did you get a paperweight? Yeah, good." And then she'll leave. Like that's like, a, and the she whole stole day. the scene somehow, and you have yeah. no idea how she did it. And she actually knows everything that's going on because she's responsible for like putting people in like the secret elevator. Mm. There's a cute bit uh, uh, where uh, like she puts she'll put Christian Slater in an elevator, and she just speaks into her wristwatch. We got we got two in the pipe, mm. and he's just like, "Who are you talking to?" And she goes, "You always say that." <laughs> <laughs> she's great. He's really good. He's doing yeah. is wonderful. And the whole cast is rock solid from top to bottom. No denying it whatsoever. I just think the premise is strained. Um, so that is it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That was my own worst enemy. Uh, we'll be back next week with the oldest show we've ever done. TV actually doesn't go back that far. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wendy and I are, are, like, film critics mostly. So, like, we're used to, like, we'll talk about movies dating back to, like, the 1890s sometimes. TV is only about half as old as that, and so we actually haven't done, I think, anything from the early 1950s. Is, because a lot of it doesn't exist. Was it My Mother the Car, our oldest series? No, it was um, um, it was that Vincent Price show. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Collector's Item. Yes, Collector's uh, Item. Where uh, Vincent, that was such a good premise, I wish that had gone to series, it was Vincent Price and um, Peter Lorre. Uh, play rare antiquities collectors who get mixed up in intrigue and mystery and maybe ghosts. And they hate each other. And they kind of hate each other. And like Peter Laurie was also like a criminal in a previous life. So he's got all this like sleazy backstory. What a fun premise. God, I wish that had gone to series. It was a failed pilot, but it was neat. Um, so uh, next but time... We, we did point out, CBS has the rights to that. CBS All Access is looking for content. That's true. Just reboot that. It's a good idea. Uh, who, what, what horror stars do you get this time, though? Oh, golly. Oh, Easy. I uh, because because I want to see these two together in some sort of horror project. Uh-huh. You get Ken Forey and you get Keith David, and they're the two rare antiquities collectors. That's an interesting. Yeah. Tr- I like it. Yeah, I like it. Fuck it, let's do it. Okay, uh, but anyway, next time on uh, Cancel Too Soon, it's actually a sequel to another podcast that we do because recently in an episode of Episode Zero, uh, we did a uh, a serial called Radar Men from the Moon. 
starring basically the Rocketeer, or the original Rocketeer, a character named Commando Cody. Raider Men from the Moon was successful enough that they not only had a sequel, like, theatrical serial, they also had a one-season TV series called Commando Cody, Sky Marshal of the Universe. And we're going to do that next time on Cancel Too Soon. The because whole universe. Because it's the whole universe. We've never done the universe before. It's great. Anyway, so that's uh, that's what's going on there. You can follow us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, you can email us about this show or anything else you want to talk about. Letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email on a future episode of We've Got Mail. Uh, we've also got patreon.com slash network, where we have tons of exclusive shows, including TV shows about uh, Star Trek, Firefly, the Academy Awards, uh, Disney+. Plus. And more. And there's also uh, the ability to vote for future episodes. This was a poll that we actually got to the episode a little late. Sorry about that. Uh, but every month we have a poll for Cancel Too Soon. We're going to have a new poll for Cancel Too Soon sometime this week. Uh, our original plan was to have July be the Cancel Too Soon anime month. But because the month got started a little late, we're going to push that to August. Yeah. Uh, but we will still have an anime month and we'll have a poll for that, uh, as well. So thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to all of our patrons who keep supporting the show and allow us to keep this going. Um, and, uh, is that it? That's it. Cool. That's a wrap. We'll see you next season. (laughs) 